Hi, Karen. Happy late November. It's always glorious to see you. And yeah, here we are. Here we are on a normal day at a normal time. Katie, as always, it is wonderful to see you. Thank you for creating this time for us to be together. It's Monday, listeners and viewers, which is a tr- it's a different day for us. But I feel like we've done what a couple Mondays in a row. We've recording? done a couple Mondays in a row. I don't mind Mondays, although it yeah. does seem like a really long time between times that I see you, which is weird. But like, right? it also makes sense because listeners were obviously recording this the week of Thanksgiving, so you know. Life is going to get a little busy come a few days from now. I know. Life is going to be lifing. Life is going to be lifing. Yes, life is constantly lifing. <laughs> like that's the- my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, it is. It is constantly <laughs> lifing, which actually brings us to today's topic. But before we get to that, I have to follow up on something from last week, Karen, which is the saga of not having a cell phone. Yes. I need to hear how this went. I wrote myself a note to ask you about phone-free life. Oh my God. It was the worst thing in the world. Oh my goodness. It was seriously, truly the worst thing. Okay. So when I talked to you last and listeners, if you didn't listen to our last episode, I was in San Francisco for the week. I forgot my phone in Bend. And then it took me four days out of the six days that I was in San Francisco to get it. Anyway, the point is, is that I talked to you on day three. Okay. So- Up until that day, I was emailing people to like confirm like, hey, you just still want to meet for dinner, blah, 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 whatever. It was nothing that wasn't like movable. Like everything that I had planned was like, like one of my friends got sick and we just canceled the dinner. And so I just had a chill night and like, it was fine. It really was fine. And me driving around Marin, which is north of San Francisco and in San Francisco is actually a breeze. Like I can do it with Mm. my eyes closed because I lived there for so long. Come Tuesday, so the day after I talked to you, I did not get my phone until 6 p.m. that night because it was arriving at the UPS store because Tyler had flown it in. Well, which sounds so much fancier than it really is. But anyway, (laughs) the point is, is that I had three meetings, Karen, in the peninsula, which the peninsula is the area south of San Francisco. It's like where Palo Alto is and Menlo Park and Redwood City and that kind of thing. So it just so happened I had meetings in all three of those cities. Well, the problem is, is that I truly do not know anything about that area. Like, I really don't. Like, even though living in San Francisco for as long as I did, I never went down there. It's kind of weird for me not to have gone to Stanford. Like, I just never did. It never, like, came. Like, I just, there's no reason for me to have gone down there. So I was completely up a creek and my first meeting was at 9 a.m. And I wrote down on my paper plate because I was writing directions on a paper plate. And I like I was I was ready. I was super early. Everything was fine. At least I was early thinking I was early. Well, I got hella lost. I stopped at two Carl's Jr., a Shell gas station and an IHOP on my way to my 9 a.m. meeting. And I, everyone, I mean, I was walking into this IHOP, like, excuse me, I, I'm sorry, I, to the to the hostess who's trying to seat normal people who are at an IHOP. There is me, a Tasmanian devil, who is like careening in, sweating in like a really nice business casual outfit, saying like, mm. oh my gosh, I, can you please help me with this one direction? And am I in the right place? I had no idea where I was. I was oh, looking and I was being so careful to look at every single exit oh p.s last week was also apec which was the conference where biden and harris 
and the president of China just so happened to be in San Francisco, which, by the way, like never happens. And I know it was like this historic meeting, yada, yada, yada. You can extrapolate that there was quite a bit of traffic. So there's that, too. Anyway, long story longer, I get to every single one of those three meetings conservatively 20 minutes late it was between 20 and 25 minutes late for each meeting and i had given myself a buffer of 45 minutes driving for each meeting when like the driving time was like six minutes (laughs) no 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 no. it's not six minutes it's 55 minutes if you're me and so like it was so bad karen honestly i was getting like i was like crying and like i I mean i was trying not to cry because i was not gonna fuck up my mascara damn it and so like like i was just it was awful so Thankfully, all three people were very, very nice, but these were like business meetings, you know? So I was actually like genuinely embarrassed. It was awful. So there was one moment where the third meeting, well, I guess the third meeting was not a business meeting. It was with a friend, but I was still, it was impossible for her to reach me. And I hadn't seen her in years. And we were going to this hike through the Stanford campus and I couldn't find out where I was going. Anyway, I, in a last ditch effort, Like, I'm driving through Palo Alto, which I've never been to Palo Alto. So, like, I don't know what it is. Palo Alto is fancy as fuck. Like, it is so fucking fancy. There are no gas stations in Palo Alto. There are no, like, there are no convenience stores. I'm just driving past $7 million homes that used to, you know, like, belong to Steve Jobs. Seriously, with old growth, gorgeous, like, trees everywhere with these, like, weeping willows. I mean, truly, it's absolutely beautiful. It's a very beautiful sight unless you're me and have no idea where you're going. So I pull over this lady. I'm like, hey! And this woman is walking her poodle. And she's like, hi, can I help you? And I was like, yes! Can you please tell me, am I going the right way towards Stanford. Anyway, she takes out her phone. This is what I realize happens in every one of my interactions. I literally stopped eight times during the day. And so every single one, they put in the directions on Google Maps and they were like, oh yeah, you go north here and then make a south turn here. And I was like, no, 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 no. No, you need to tell me right or left. Oh God. It was like right or left. And like, and then I'm like yelling at this lady with this poodle, even though, I mean, I was, I wasn't yelling. I was a little less friendly than normal like it was like my seventh stop and so like she points me in the wrong direction I start driving and I I start passing the Tesla company headquarters and I'm like wait a minute I'm like this is not the Stanford campus like what the fuck and so I pull up next to this 16 year old in like a you know a Toyota Tacoma like a you know truck and I was like, I scream out my window and I was like, is this street behind me or ahead of me? And he's like, oh, ma'am, what? I've never <laughs> been asked directions. He's never even known what life without the internet is or Snapchat, whatever the fuck. Anyway, and so he tells me, he's like, oh, no, you have to make a U-turn. And so I do. And I finally arrive. Oh, God. Oh, God. And I ate a lot of pizza and wine for dinner <laughs> because I needed to, like, eat my feelings. So anyway. Yes. Word to the wise, this is a PSA to never forget your phone, especially when you're going someplace where you truly don't know where you are. Because like being in Palo Alto among all those old growth trees with the $7 million homes, like I genuinely could have been in China. Like I was like, I don't know anything. I have no direction. I could just end up in San Diego. Like I don't know where I am. So anyway, thank you for listening. That got a little long. Sorry about that. It's really, it's quite a right. That was an epic saga and it needed to be an epic story. And I am, I'm filled with anxiety picturing this, like, oh my God, I don't, I feel like the loop that my brain is doing, and I don't know if this is what was happening for you, but it's like, 
this would be so much easier if I had my phone. Why don't I have my phone? Do you know what I mean? Like every challenge just goes back to this place of fuck if I just had my phone. Yes. The whole time, Uh, the whole time, because then you think, oh, I'll just text someone to tell them I'm late. They won't care. No, no, no. They don't have text messages in 1992. So that didn't work. (laughs) What the hell did we do? What did we do? What did we do? Were we just not late back then? I don't know. Like, I mean, what did we do, Karen? We certainly didn't change plans midstream. No. Or like. Or flake. I bet we, there was, uh, I bet the the ratio of flaking to keeping your plans was low. Flaking was low. Yeah. Flaking was probably low. Oh my God. I, the most inane thing just popped into my head and I'm just going to say it because that's what we're here for. Like, again, this is so dumb. I'm so embarrassed. I'm about to say this, but have you ever read Twilight? I haven't. But I know about it, and I went to the town where it was oh. written, and, and remember the Forks, Washington? Forks. Yes. yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes. All right, so... so I'm, I'm familiar. Listeners, viewers, I'm sure you are familiar with Twilight. So I bring this up because she wrote Twilight way before it was actually published. Oh. And so... There's like a there's a plot line of cell like people are using cell phones in it, but like not in a way that we would use cell phones now. And there's like snafus involved with phones. The point I'm making is that how cell phones have even changed the way we tell stories. Because like I'm just thinking of like all of the near misses that happen when you miss a call or right, like all of these things, you can't you have to change that when like, what do you mean I missed a call? Like it's right here. My phone's right here. Totally. That is where my head went. It went to fiction and like how it's totally changed. Even that. That's so, I love that so much because it's like, it has changed the cellular structure of our beings. It has changed how we, like how we think of things. Like, I love that. I love that it's changed how fiction has like manifested over time. Like how storytelling has manifested. Like, that's actually really deep. That's like really, tr- that's so true, Karen, because it's like, you can't pretend that you missed a call from your ex when you just have it on your phone. <laughs> like, it's like, or like, <laughs> oh, mom, you called me? Shit, I didn't know. Damn, not you, mom. I know I'm not talking about you. She's listening. But like, you know, proverbial mothers. <laughs> like, that's, yes. Yes. Like sitcom moms. Like, I just think, think about like how many pre-cell phone sitcoms had a premise based on a misunderstanding a missed call a missed visit missed whatever that like a cell phone makes that plot point you know moot like no totally yo i texted you the address what are you talking about totally and now you don't even have like an excuse to say that you like came across the wrong way when you're in a text because like when you're texting with people if they don't put like a thumbs up or an emoji oh they are pissed as hell that is like (laughs) You have to put like a little like heart next to your thing. Like if you have an iPhone, I guess, but like also like, you know, just give an emoji that takes two seconds. I've gotten in fights with Tyler because he doesn't use enough emojis. And he was <laughs> so like, like he used to only heart things like a message. I was like, oh, you know, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Or I would say maybe something that didn't have a question mark, but I was just like, you know, sending you love today. And then he would just heart it. He wouldn't write a note. He wouldn't be like, sending you love also 
anyway, that created some friction. And so now he uses a lot of emojis, but really it's kind of like a joke to him. But like still it actually matters to me. So I appreciate that about him. Oh my God. Katie, I'm so relieved that you have been reunited with your phone. Yes. And this sounds so stressful. Oh my God, that sounds like, oh, oh, again, so much anxiety for you. I'm so sorry that happened. Thank you so much, Karen. It's, it is like, oh, it's okay. I'm okay. I mean, the good thing is, is that in the middle of all of it, I went to see my uncle slash cousin in Berkeley, who is this devout Buddhist. And he is like, he had just been with his Sangha all day, which a Sangha is like a community that he's cultivated over decades, which is basically like these people who like, they, you know, meditate together like for nine hours. Mm. And it's this beautiful thing that he's been a part of for a long time anyway. And so when I got to his house, he was so calm, so truly Zen. Mm. And he always is like that, but he was like a different level of that. And it made me kind of think the whole way home, while I'm not listening to a podcast and I don't really feel like listening to NPR on the radio, I'm like, I'm going to be like John. I'm going to just be present. And you know what, Karen, with the exception of that time where I pulled over the lady with the poodle and maybe cried at IHOP, I was relatively present. (laughs) I was more present after I got my phone. Okay. Let's be honest. But anyway, I know I have just taken up all of our time with my phone stories, but thank you so much (laughs) for listening. Of course. I, oof. Man. Yeah. Stressful. Okay, so how how about you? Like, how are you doing? How was your last week? Like, are you getting excited for Thanksgiving? (sighs) All the positive things. I will just say this. um, The one, like, amazing thing that happened to me over the last week is uh, that I love the artist her name is Michelle and Cello, and oh, she's yeah. like a bassist and a singer songwriter a lot of people know her she had a duet with John Cougar Mellencamp probably wow. in the 90s of Wild Night okay yeah um I'm in Indiana I'm in Mellencamp land so that's how people here know her but um so she has a new album out that has been nominated for Grammy and it's like super moody and weird and I've been listening to her for like, like literally since the nineties and haven't really kept up with her music, but whenever I can see her, I have nice. I interviewed her once, which was amazing. So she's playing a show here in Indy in a suburb of Indy called Carmel. Okay. That I'd never been to Um, this music venue. We didn't know anything about. And so instead of being planners, I just decided <laughs> We'll just drive out to beautiful Carmel, Indiana, and just buy tickets at the box office. It's not sold out. Let's just see. And I will say that I've done this one other time. I feel like you're a pro at this. Oh, my God. This is my concert hack. Go to the box office an hour before the show starts. I've mentioned this before. And, like, the artists typically have held tickets, like, for themselves, for their friends, their family, whoever. And if they don't get claimed, then they get released. So I got seventh row tickets, right, to see Jill Scott in Chicago years ago, the Chicago theater, like, literally walking up, sitting next to people who had, like, camped out, like, legit had camped out to get their tickets. This is so a brilliant hack. I love this so much. If a show is not sold out, just go to the box office the day of. So I, we roll up an hour ahead of the show and it sounds crazy. 
we got second row tickets. Are you serious? Holy shit, Karen, for real? Oh my God, that's amazing. Right, and the woman was like, yeah, you know, people don't like sitting on the sides. So the side tickets were like, there were tons of available seats, like really close, like literally second row. It was wild to me. So that was the good news. And it was like such a great, like, like I said, weird, moody, like beautiful musicians. And they did this thing I've never seen before in all of my years of concert going. I've never seen this. So the opening act comes out and he was he's from Lafayette, Indiana, which was like really cute. So he's like, I'm extra nervous. You know, he's got family in the audience, whatever. So he plays and it's just him on stage with a couple instruments. And then the bass player comes out and then the keyboardist come out, comes out like gradually during songs. And there's one song when the whole band comes out, including Michelle and Diego and sits and plays in with him for his last song because he's in the band. Oh, my God. What? That's so cool. That's so cool. Oh, my God. I just it was like. It was such a cool or like obviously orchestrated, but like organic thing to watch happen. And because he was singing and they were playing while she came out, just like kind of like nonchalantly, like she came out and sat down. Like there were a couple of people who like clapped or whatever, but it was just like, it was so cool. And it just made me reflect on the fact that like one of my favorite parts of a show is when the artist comes out and the crowd loses its shit. Yes. I feel like people have these very elaborate ways they get to the stage or they come up from the floor or they fly in or whatever. And I just love that moment, that anticipation of like, ah, they're on the stage now. So to have her just kind of like chill and sit down was so cool. So it was great. It sounds so like, it sounds so like seamless. Like it just like seems like very flowy, just like very like. Oh my god, it sounds like very calm, honestly, to even be like the concert goer to watch this. It's like, what a cool experience. Like that's so creative of them to even think to do that. I know. Literally never seen it. And the other thing I'll say is that so the Carmel, Indiana. Carmel, as it turns out, is a super bougie suburb here. Oh. It is okay. not Palo Alto bougie, but it's it's Indiana bougie, right? Yeah, yeah. And their Chris Kindle market was happening. Oh. Like at basically there's a plaza next door to this big beautiful theater that was the other thing the beautiful the theater where this show was was like stunningly beautiful big pipe organs and just stunning and so this market the first night of this market was happening so there's like i mean boots with glog in them and like the whole like this whole line yes the whole thing so you know it's this winter wonderland. It like feels like something out of a bad holiday movie. And we had to walk through it to get to the theater. And I look over and I'm like, MLB, is that a reindeer? They had a fucking reindeer, Katie. They had like a reindeer. Like a live one? Like a real yeah. one? Oh. oh, yeah. And wow. there was a line of people to like have their picture taken with it, all the shit. And it was like, what is ha- what is even happening? <laughs> We'd gotten there early. We got the tickets and they're like, I'm sorry, you can't bring your backpack into the show. So we had to go back to the car, Oh, drop off my backpack. Oh my God, help us. And go back through their Kindle market. Oh my God. But on the way back, so there's a crowd of people. We're trying to make our way through. People are very angry with us because MLB does not play. And it's like muscling through. (laughs) And I swear to God, the crowd opens up and there's an owl. (laughs) Like at the end, like waiting for you. Hold on. 
<laughs> the crowd's part, and there's a guy with a fucking owl. Like, oh, we're eye to eye with an owl. Yeah, there was a guy standing with an owl, holding an oh, owl. like on his arm. Yes. Oh, that is so intense. Was it near the reindeer? Is it the reindeer's <laughs> friend? Like, this <laughs> Is that a Christmassy thing? I never knew an owl was Christmassy. See it either. Is it a Harry Potter thing? I don't know. It wasn't a white owl like Hedwig. It was beautiful. And MLB and I are both like low-key obsessed with owls. So we oh. both had this moment of like, oh my God. But then we we're like, we gotta get to the theater. So we like ran past this owl and I was like, what is this hat? What is happening right now? Like, oh my God. This sounds like you two are in a rom-com, honestly. Like it's oh my like God. You're passing the reindeer, you're passing the owl, MLB is elbowing everybody out of the way. Like, I mean, the only Seriously. thing that's missing is that, like, you, 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 someone, like, delivers you mulled wine on a sleigh as you're walking by. Oh, my gosh. I mean, in the rom-com version of this, we are at different points in the Chris Kindle market. Yes. And one of us has left our phone, and we're trying to find each other, yes. but we can't. And we're yelling across the, Yeah. The crowds but then you finally give up but then you're just standing both of you under the same mistletoe and then you look out and you're just like it's you it's you oh my god that's amazing <laughs> starts to snow it's oh no totally the snow definitely forgot about the snow twinkly lights i mean i've seen this movie karen <laughs> this is so oh my god <laughs> oh my gosh and then you got second row seats that sounds like the best weekend ever honestly that sounds was it saturday night that's so cool this saturday night yeah it was that's great and we ass. met this great couple and like we're supposed to hang out with them like it was really like that's just so great i know it was really such a magical cool experience and i'm like so glad that we like did all of these things we've never done before right like i'm so impressed you really oh. did and you also I have to congratulate you and like, or like commend you ever since you moved to Indiana. I mean, I think that you were very active in Chicago as well, but you and MLB have like showed up for Indiana. Like you have seen so many great performances. You all, you have like so many cool friends there. You're making friends at concerts in the second row after you buy the tickets 30 minutes prior. What the hell? I mean, oh my God. it really feels very inspiring honestly like that's like really awesome I also feel like there's something around at least not to project on you but like to be in a new place it's like you want to try the new things like do you feel like that's part of it as well absolutely yes and thank you for saying that I mean you also moved to a new place like even farther away from where you came from so totally also yeah go ahead but we're oh, sorry I was going to say, I am inspired by you 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 are taking classes and you're doing things and meeting people in the neighborhood and you know, you didn't hide from the trick-or-treaters. Like, I <laughs> feel like I'm inspired by watching you do this process over the last three years. It's wild. It's been three years. I love that we inspire each other. I really yes. do want to try the uh, buy a ticket day of, though. Oh, it man. makes me think I should just drive up to Portland. And it's like, if, if it doesn't work out, there's definitely going to be something great to do anyway. Why not? I mean, if it doesn't work out, just buy a ticket on StubHub standing on your phone. I mean, assuming you have your phone. Legit. Mm -hmm. That's true. Oh. It's a, <laughs> too soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> but you're right. You're so right. You can just buy it on StubHub. Wait. Okay. So if you go to the um the box office, can you get a better deal? Or is there like, can you negotiate? Or like, what's the, for those out there, including myself, mm. 
what are your tips for going up to the box office? Like, how do you, what is your like yes. plan of attack for that? So there was no line at the box okay. office because everybody had bought their t- tickets in advance. So yep. you're not waiting in line typically. And you don't have to pay the fees. So a $75 ticket is $75, not $98. You're not paying Ticketmaster. You're not paying StubHub. You're not paying these third-party ticket sellers. You're just buying the ticket at face value from the box office. That is so brilliant. I love that. I really do. Like, this is, this is like a real hack. Like, this is, I mean, did you think at all when you were on your way to Carmel that you... We're like, if it doesn't work out, it's okay. We'll just go to dinner or whatever. Like, or were you like, this must happen? <laughs> like, what is the energy that is like? How did that? How did it feel for you? <laughs> it was not a Beyonce level of energy. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah. I, there were so many tickets. I did look online. I will say, I did look online before we went to get a sense of how many tickets were still available, and there were still so many yeah. that I felt confident it wasn't gonna sell out. That's great. So, yeah, I just rolled the dice. I mean, that Jill Scott's show, though, was sold out. And I still was just like, let me just, I mean, there's always going to be people who can't show up for whatever reason. Always. So true. I also love the, like, the inside scoop that you have on knowing that, like, artists will always hold tickets for their family and friends. Always. Of course they will. I don't ever think about that. But that's so true. Wow. This is very cool. Thanks, Karen. I'm so glad that you and MLB had so much fun. That's amazing. And the, the the like the Chris Kringle market. Did you walk back through it, or by the time the concert was done, was was the reindeer gone? The reindeer was gone. The all was gone. The smelly cheese was gone. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! What are those little? Uh, oh God! What are they called? Cheese curds. <laughs> oh no! I do like the cheese curds. The French. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> They're little fish where you eat the whole, that's not sardines. There's like maybe smelts or something. There's like, yeah, some kind of fish they sell on a bun. Yeah. Wait, they put the fish on a bun? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, what's also funny is I'm sure this is like, I don't know anything about this cultural phenomenon. I probably sound like an asshole, but Chris Kindle Market, it was the exact same Chris Kindle Market that's in downtown Chicago. I've been to that one. Yes. Okay, but so years ago, like 15 years ago, you've been there too. Yeah. It's yes. pretty cool. But it's the same I used to thing. Live, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. You would have lived around like downtown, of course. Yes. So it it is the same faux wooden cabin buildings with where you're buying scarves and assorted paraphernalia. And yeah, it was really like, wow, this is the exact same thing. Oh, that's so interesting. Good to know. Carmel has a thriving Chris Kindle. Chris, it's Chris Kringle, right? Kringle. I think it's Chris. I always call it Chris Kringle. Mark Kringle. I do that too, and I think that's wrong. I think it's Chris Kindle. 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 Got it. Like Amazon Kindle reading device. Someone is yelling, yelling, (laughs) screaming at us right now. But yes. Sorry, Tori. That we're not totally sure. Oh my God. Okay. Well, this is awesome. I'm so glad that you had so much fun. And thank you. I also love that we texted each other similar ideas for today's pod pretty much simultaneously. I love that you commented that we share a brain. I mean, I agree. And uh, yeah, this topic is very present for many people this week. I think 
going into Thanksgiving, but also just like widely. So go ahead, go ahead. I, I just am excited about it. Yes. All right. So I, I'll, I'll say what I texted you and then you built on it. And what I texted was protecting your peace and your energy. Yes. In a time when the world is literally at war. I mean, it's, and then also the way that I saw it was that I think going into the holidays can be very joyful for many, many people. And of course, I only wish joy for everyone. And yet the reality for some people is that this is not a joyful time. This is somewhere, something less than joy. And for some people, it's a lot less than joy. It's very painful for various reasons. And so how do you protect your peace? Like if you're walking into a Thanksgiving situation where I know one of my friends, she is Jewish and she um, is going into a situation where she actually is doing a bunch of research on the, um, the war between Israel and Hamas because she needs to come prepared. And basically, I don't want to say armed. That's not what I mean. It's like she needs to come ready. Like she needs to come ready with like really serious facts and like historical knowledge and all of this stuff. And it's stressful for her because she is trying to defend her own position and yet also come from like a place of, you know, education. And it's just, I I think, yeah, that's kind of combining these two topics also. So, yeah. Yes. I, that resonates with me a lot. I have a lot of colleagues who are facing a similar situation who do not agree with their parents or their families about this conflict and their parents feel very betrayed by them. And yeah, it's, it's very complex and very nuanced and very complicated and super emotional. And I feel like you want to talk about generational trauma, like it is baked into people's bodies, this conflict and this like strife, right? And all of all of the words that you could use to describe this that I won't use. And in the midst of all of that, how do you protect your own personal peace and your own energy? And the way I've been thinking about it is like this, like, it's really trite now to say it this way, but like this idea that you, if you have a very strong yes then the little no's become easier. A big yes makes a little no easier. Like my big yes is I'm trying to lose these 25 goddamn pounds I lost over the summer wilding out. So the little no is I will not have an old fashioned. Did I have an old fashioned? Yes, I did. But that's an example, like having this big, yes, I'm saving money for this trip. Yes, I'm trying to go back to school. Yes, I'm trying this thing. And so all of these little no's are easier. And I feel like, a big yes is I have to protect my peace and my energy. Yes. And like, what are the, I love what you say about the little nose because it's like, it is small things that add up to protecting peace. Like it doesn't necessarily like, yes, for some people listening, maybe protecting their peace is doing something really big, which is saying no to going to Thanksgiving with people that are not going to be good for their energy that is a big one but i think the smaller ones are you know if you know turning off npr for you know mm-hmm. like a day or doing something where like going to at least in my situation like a dance class today i was pretty stressed out and 
I, there's a dance class at nine o'clock in the morning or nine thirty in the morning on a Monday, which seems like the worst time in the world to go to dance class. And like, yet I didn't have any meetings at that time today, but I had something that I was like, I could, I could just stay and just look at my calendar and like do a few things while I'm waiting to see if a meeting comes through. Or I could say, fuck it. I'm going to protect my peace and go to my dance class. And I'm so glad I did Karen, because it's just Yay. better for my body and my mind and my spirit. But like, I just think that I, I also think that like, and I love that idea of little things. I just like interrupted myself and now I forgot what I was going to say. Sweet. Well, <laughs> That's okay. Giving ourselves grace, I guess, is what I was what I was mm. thinking. Oh, I know. I remember now. So what I was also thinking is like, I do want to acknowledge that there is a narrative specifically when it comes to this war that is happening and it's in the news every day and it's on the cover of my New York Times on my kitchen island right now and it's everywhere that you shouldn't be protecting your peace. There mm. is a narrative around that that you should allow your heart to break and that there's a lot of shooting of like you should get really really fucking angry about this because that's the only way things will get better or you know that kind of thing and i think that everyone has a different narrative around that and i'm not trying to be here to be you know like prescriptive in any way i just think it's i actually had a close friend recently who said this exact thing to me she she comes up with a word for the year every year and mm. the word that usually comes to her isn't something that she like thinks hard about it just kind of comes to her and she like tries to listen to her int intuition and it usually comes around january february this year for next year it came like in late october and she was like oh that's interesting and she was like i'm afraid to tell you what it is and i was like mm. oh well okay if you don't want to tell me that's okay she's like no i want to tell you and i was like okay what and she's like it's delight and she's like, oh. I don't think it's okay for my word to be delight when all of this is happening. And I was like, okay, I'm like, what if we need delight more than we've ever needed it? What if we need joy more? What if that's an act of resistance? What if, I don't know, it's so hard to like put language to this stuff, but I just think that like, it's okay to even accept the idea that it would be helpful to protect your peace. Like you don't have to engage in every single thing that is happening if that's not going to be protecting your peace and you're still a good person. Like that's, I don't know. Now I'm getting too preachy. I mean, I, I plus one, all of those things. And also this idea of like, just like you were talking about with your uncle who meditated and was levitating, you know, when you saw him, like, peace is contagious. Like yes. that energy of like, I am protecting my peace and I am protecting my energy from negativity and other people's nonsense is something that is palpable for people when they interact with you. And that is also valuable to put out in the world and getting like, I mean, yes, be rageful. Yes. Be angry. Yes. Be heartbroken and all of those things. But is that really a place you want to live all the time? Right. And is that a healthy place to live all the time? And yeah, I think that's what comes up for me. And also I feel like for me, a little no right now or a like mini just like I'm surrendering this to protect my peace is realizing how often people feel like they need to have the last word. 
Ooh. I don't know if you've ever realized, like, or not realized this or like um, noticed this. Like I interact, I feel like at work with a lot of people who I will say something that I feel like, okay, well, this part of this conversation is now over and we're going to move on. And they just feel like they have to either reiterate what I've just said, or reiterate a point like, and, and well, I, it took me a couple, it took me a while to realize this. And it took a couple go rounds of this dance of like, no, but that's what I just said, or that's what you just said, or that. And I realized like, oh, this person has to have the last word. It's just a thing. And I'm just going to see that because I feel like sometimes it just starts to feel like conflict to be like, no, I'm going to say the last thing. No, I'm going to, you know what I mean? And yeah, it's just thing like, even things like that are just like, okay, I'm going to give you that. I mean, that's so beautiful because like when you do give them that, does that feel more peaceful to you? Like, how does that feel in in your body? Yes. I just am like, I find myself like, try like, I'm like, am I that person? Because I find myself trying to say something and realizing like, no, no, just we're done. Yes. Yeah. Just stop talking. Say less. (laughs) Say, Say less. Totally. I find this when I'm with Tyler sometimes where like, we're kind of like, not in a fight, but like in a little bit of a disagreement, like the energy is not great. Sometimes if we're driving, for example, and like, I've said something and it kind of made him mad or not mad. It's like, it doesn't have to be super heightened. Sometimes I'll just like, like go over and like touch his hand with my hand and like, it will calm both of our nervous systems. And it's like, I am choosing peace over continuing this conversation. And it's not that I'm like silencing him at all. It's more that like, like sometimes I realize that the thing, instead of just continuing to like harp on the same topic, I'll just go over and give him a hug. And like, it doesn't always, it doesn't always solve everything, but it does actually protect my own peace because it's like, I don't always have to be right. That's not always where I'm at. Like sometimes I do feel like I do, but like exactly what you're talking about with the last word, I think that can be extrapolated to so many things. It's like, wait, what if you just didn't engage? Like, what if it was just like, like how peaceful would that be? Like, it just, I think for me, I would still be like ratcheting up in my mind, but eventually there's nothing to bounce off of if the other person isn't like a feed, there is no feedback loop. And so then like, eventually the peace comes, it seems. Yes, it's so true. It is really like, yeah, it really is just the surrendering like, like we've said, like surrendering to just like that sense of like, this is my intention. Like my big yes is my peace and my energy. And yeah, I just wish that more people were practicing this out in the world. And until more of them are, we can just do it for ourselves. No, totally, totally. Yes. And we can talk about it in this pod and we can, it's not, it's not an everyday thing, I think for a lot of people. And I think one thing that I do want to point out when you're going, going toward Thanksgiving or interacting, I guess, with anyone doesn't have to be for the holiday, but like sometimes protecting your peace means doing something that someone else doesn't want you to do. Like you're going Mm -hmm. to offend someone if you say no, or if you do those tiny no's that might actually inconvenience someone else or, you know, and it's like, Mm -hmm maybe that's not as bad as you think. Like sometimes protecting your peace means you stop contorting yourself into a position that you always have contorted, you know? Yes. Ooh. All right. We're at time. I know. All right. Sorry. My my phone's going off. I so apologize. (laughs) 
I will close by saying, so Thanksgiving will have happened by that time folks see and hear this, but you have two more chances to protect your peace Christmas and New Year's, depending on what you celebrate, I guess. And yeah, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I hope this message resonates with people. I hope it does too. I love talking about this with you, Karen. And I feel like I could talk about this even more with like many, many, many more examples in the future. Yeah, this is great. Well, happy belated Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy holiday season. Uh, We will see you next week.